This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I've got a great stream. I think you're really going to going to enjoy this afternoon. And I'm joined by my guest, Luke Avery. He's a YouTuber. Uh, he's a software engineer, and he's going to be talking with me today about the artificial intelligence question. Luke, thanks for joining me. Uh, what an honor to be here, and what a what a topic to choose at this time. Yeah, I mean, this this is pretty wide ranging. There's a lot of stuff we're going to be going over here. And we're obviously not going to hit everything. It's a, it's a huge issue. But I haven't talked a whole lot about this on the show so far. I want to explore a little bit with someone who is familiar with it, someone who's in the field. And so Luke's going to be uh, talking about that a little bit here. Uh, could you introduce yourself for people who aren't familiar kind of with what you do and how you got started? Yeah, for sure. So um, as far as YouTube, I run a couple of YouTube channels. And the main one I want to flag for people's attention is Lambda Bible Studies. So I actually talk about the Bible and Christian related topics. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been going at that for a couple of years, um, very much enjoying it. Um, outside of that, uh, my profession is actually as a programmer. So I've been uh, working professionally, including doing things with um, with machine learning and neural networks for, for quite a while. Um, and uh, maybe there's even some crossover between the topics. We, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, exactly. So let's go ahead and get started at the beginning where I think a lot of people get tripped up because every time I ever see a discussion about artificial intelligence, as soon as you mention the subject, there's always a very large course of people who are very, very sure, you know, they're, they're very assertive in their position that no one needs to worry about AI, that no one needs to think about it. It's not that good. It's never going to go anywhere. The, the complexity is too high. It's, it's completing its infancy and has no potential to get out of hand. So I guess the first question is, where is the technology right now? Where are we Ooh. on this you know, sci-fi dystopian timeline? <laughs> uh, it's a great question. I've noticed the same thing that over the last week, I've heard lots of people saying um, that chat GPT is, for example, overhyped and it's no big deal and everyone should get over it. Um, and 
the other half of your question is presuming a dystopian <laughs> outcome. Um, so I, I guess if I if I frame things the way that I see it, and see if that answers your question. So I think it's probably fair to say that the acceleration in various forms of artificial intelligence, um, deep learning, over the last f five or so years, uh, will have an enormous impact on the world. I think in the same way as when the internet came about, um, you know, and the web and, and all of these kinds of technologies, um, we saw that they ended up having an impact on people's lives very significantly and people became very familiar with what they could do. And in another sense, it was still a tool under our control and uh, we, we understood the limitations, what the internet could do and couldn't do. We saw that it came with great goods and we saw that there's been enormous harm done, I would argue. Uh, the jury is still out and, and perhaps the internet overall has been bad for the world, but not like the end of the world. That's how I see things with AI at the moment. We're, we're going to see a lot of things change significantly because of the, the new breakthroughs that have happened. But I, I, I want to distance that from ideas like it's going to become sentient, it's going to replace humanity, everyone's going to be unemployed. Um, you know, I, I think it will be a tool that's used for good and evil. I imagine it'll have significant um, military and political uses. So, so there's some interesting power analysis that we, we can do. Um, so I, maybe that's a nuanced take in between the two extremes. But mm -hmm. I, I think we shouldn't downplay it. The, there is a very real sense that we are developing things right now that the people who are at the cutting edge don't yet know uh, what it's capable of. So here's a question. How much is AI already doing that people don't realize it's doing? How much AI is already involved in people's lives beyond, you know, the their Amazon robots? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, in some ways, uh, maybe a question that we have to answer before we get there is uh, what what would we even count as being AI? I mean, mm -hmm. this this term in some ways gets deprecated. People don't like to talk about AI anymore. Um, th the idea of intelligence is slippery, it tends to be that whatever humans can do that we can't yet automate is intelligence. So as soon as we as soon as we develop a new machine, then what the machine can do is no longer considered intelligence. Um, so uh, if you, the, the, the things that you mentioned, the Amazon orders, right, the YouTube recommendations, um, the the maps that we follow, the, a very large amount of the stuff that we read, I think there's probably more auto-generated text that people are already reading than, than maybe people realize. Um, but what we've seen with the development of something like GPT-3 is that uh, the power of these language models has has drastically increased. Um, and, and I think whilst we've seen quite a substantial use of AI for people's day to day, it's nothing like what's about to happen. I, I think we're going to see substantial amounts of art and, um, you know, entertainment 
taken over by artificially generated content, which is quite a scary thought for people, for example, YouTubers. Uh, <laughs> this is maybe why everyone's talking about it right now. Yeah, so I mean, well, you know, I was going to ask you, how would you tell the difference between, uh, you know, a computer and a journalist uh, with the auto, you know, with the, <laughs> with the auto generated stuff, but that is a real thing, right? Because so many, so many people who have pushed for automation, so many people who have encouraged this acceleration of developing this technology always kind of assume that their jobs wouldn't be affected, right? Like this is going to be stuff that gets rid of McDonald's workers and make sure that cashiers, but they don't think that, you know, content producers, creative minds, uh, you know, artists, you know, that they, they think they're immune to this kind of stuff. And so in many ways, um, you know, a lot of these you know, upper middle class or upper class people were more than happy to encourage this brave new world where automation takes away these jobs because they were never going to be their jobs. They were always going to be the jobs of people that they kind of didn't want to have to interact with anymore. But the fact that this is now reaching into domains that would have been thought of as kind of the cognitive elite, you know, the, the, uh, a higher class. Now these things start to get scary for many people in these positions. So what do you think about this transition of a uh, of automation? Obviously, AI and automation aren't exactly the same thing, but this transition from from the obsolescence of more working class uh, uh, jobs into kind of this upper creative cognitive class jobs. What do you think about that transition and how that affects the technology? Yeah, it's inevitable that we will see certain classes of white collar jobs disappear. I, I would say. However, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that we will just see mass unemployment because there is a tendency that um, as humans become more productive in, in one realm, uh, um, a new type of work opens up and be becomes possible. Um, it's difficult to foresee what those new jobs will be, but I, I, I'm not sure that the, the, the net result of this will be fewer jobs for the, the 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 intellectuals as you put it um i'm sure lots of people listening have played with this technology and mm -hmm. it has a surface veneer of being completely self-capable but if you actually use it to try to do your job you i think you will get more of an intuitive feel for how it fits into the world which is to say you can't trust it to just do the full extent on its own the the there still is power for a real human to read through and check its output um but what this means is an individual can become more effective i'd argue so suppose um suppose you're oh, this is an old-fashioned concept in a way but suppose you were printing a newspaper, right? <laughs> doing a daily paper. Mm -hmm. you, you previously would have had an editor and then uh, lots of people working, writing stories who hand that story to the editor and the editor does a substantial change before it goes to print. And sometimes it's almost unrecognizable. And the writing of the basic articles now can, I, I think it's fair to say, be done by an AI, but there's still the need for that mature 
um, intellectual oversight because um, there's nuance and sophistication that the language models haven't yet reached. Um, so I, I think it still remains the case that there will be a top rung of, of intellectual thinking that can't yet be replaced by the AI. Um, and actually what we're seeing is there's a lot of what has been seen so far as thinking intellectual white collar work will will quite quickly be seen as much like manual labor, sort of a, a drudgery, a, a, a rote, um, non-intelligent activity. Um, it's, it, it, it's probably a nice, um, let, let me give a more optimistic picture. Mm -hmm. um, lots of these jobs are not actually that rewarding to do. It's people stuck in offices doing non-creative work. And if those people are going to find employment doing something more human facing and a smaller number of people can be more productive and achieve the same amount of office work. I see that as, I see that as a win. Um, so I, I, I'd like to, I like to bring a positive spin on, on the, the potential future that we're about to see here. Well, here's, I appreciate that, but here's the thing is, you know, you're describing a scenario where it sounds like, yes, you'll still need humans to check the work of the AI, right? Which of course makes sense. Like you said, anyone who's actually used these programs, I've only messed around very, very small amounts with the art and the chat stuff. But in either case, it's very clear that, like you said, you can probably get a good 80% or something of it, you know, uh, done with the program but you still need someone to come back and touch it up and clean it up and put it together and repackage it to make sure that it it kind of passes for uh, for good work right and um you, yes you'll still need that human interaction but it reminds me very much of you know the one guy who still has to run the the automated checkouts at the grocery store right yes you still do need a human someone's got to come by and make sure that the person buying beer is 18 or you know make sure that you did actually swipe that carton of eggs because they're far too valuable they're basically gold at this point but um but it, where it was 20 people now it's one or two right and so yeah. yes those jobs will exist but they'll there'll be a much smaller part, uh, point and to let me make a quick case for uh for intellectual drudgery here um <laughs> you you do actually lose something like in the same way that when we automate a bunch of um working class jobs all those people don't just go out and start painting and you know writing plays like you know the, the marxism mm. thing isn't real right like people free right. from labor don't actually just become better citizens who produce beautiful works of art they often lose meaning most jobs are just not going to mean much that's tough but it's true and when you free a large amount of people from that work, um, I think that that's a thing that almost in inevitably leads a lot of people to one way or another, either be without work or be with less meaningful work, even though they are in theory freed from this day-to-day -day grind that was supposed to be so brutal. Like, yeah, as someone who wrote a bunch of, you know, uh, bl you know blurb articles for you know crime and and uh and politics for local newspapers i can tell you like yeah it's not super exciting to sit through a uh th through a, a city council meeting for five hours so you can write the article on the next tax item 
but you know there there is a certain amount of uh you will have a big hole in the economy and even if you want to say go the creative destruction thing that these jobs will be filled that's inevitably something will be done and more opportunities will be created i don't know that's necessarily true with the level of automations we have at this point i mean it would be absolutely unprecedented in the history of humanity that a technology leads to permanent mass unemployment i mean all, all we've seen is for, for example once upon a time most people worked in agriculture now a tiny proportion of people work in agriculture so is everybody else unemployed no they they have different jobs um why, why do they have different jobs because we've insisted on living with more stuff and we, we need this higher quality of living and uh, and we turn our hands to producing things what whatever becomes abundant humans take for granted and whatever is left over people are prepared to pay money to obtain so the things that are not abundant tend to be related to what is required for human uh what what humans are required to take part in and i i tend to think we're pretty safe to assume that the same law will continue to go ahead until proven otherwise that the um that there will always be a need for or a desire for human input into something even if it eventually becomes just because we appreciate a human touch suppose you could either um have a robot or a human waiter or or suppose and maybe nurse is a better example uh, would you want to be cared for in your bed by a robot or by an actual flesh and blood nurse and as as long as humans have an interest in other humans there will always which i i think it's self-evidently will always be the case there will always be some type of work that is scarce because of the limitation of there's only so many humans on the planet and regardless of the capabilities of ai we still care about other human beings who are like ourselves. I think that's true in the realm of art as well. We will always prefer to know that the song that we're listening to was, was the artistic directorial creation of a person in some form than even if it's a very good illusion of that. But how would we know, right? If we can be tricked, <laughs> that's the problem. Then, then we're, yes, and, and and in some sense, I wonder if what we will end up seeing is a return to more local. I mean, I I, I don't know why I'm in such a good mood on this stream. I'm bringing you the absolute most. <laughs> no, by all, by all yeah, bring the optimism. Heard. Go for it. Yeah, but, but if you see a person with your very eyes performing live in front of you, then you can't question, even if the quality of the sound is worse. So, so I'd like to think that the uh, the ability of AI to take what, in in many cases, was busy work anyway, and and show it for the sham that it was, we maybe we will actually re-emphasize the joy of real human connections, like that that we um, we can guarantee through. Um, through direct first-person experience, we say that is a human being I'm having a, an interaction with, and it's valuable for that rather than for the 
purely material uh, benefits that I'm getting out of the interaction. So now that we have an idea of kind of where AI is at now and what it's doing now, what about the near future? You talked about some of the upcoming possibilities, things that are on the horizon that we'll probably see, you know, maybe in, yeah. a, in a decade or less. What what can we expect? What are some of the things in our lives or uh, in, in other areas that AI might become a big part of? Yeah, and I, I will say there's a... Um, I think there is often, we've seen in history, a short-term spike in unemployment or, you know, job displacement. And so I, I, to, to caveat my super um, optimistic take, I will say we will probably see trouble in the short term caused by the, the changing um, employment landscape. But yes, what are we, what are we about to see? Um, Let's talk first about chat GPT, which I've, has been mentioned a couple of times and most people are probably aware of. Um, it's based on a language model quite similar to GPT-3. It's been specifically trained, by the way, to be less, quote unquote, toxic. Um, you might remember there was that <laughs> Twitter bot. that The legend of um, Tay. Was, yeah, Tay a few years yeah. back. Um, so part of the efforts increasingly with this technology um, is essentially to control its output and limit what it can do, because I guess um, <laughs> I guess opening people up to a language model that just reflects back the training data was too considered too dangerous. So um, we, we have a, a, a brand new cleaned up acceptable, politically correct, if you know, or woke or whatever term you want to use, you know, it, it's been approved by its masters to, to speak on whatever topics. Um, and it's, it's able to talk across a broad breadth of human experience. It, it's, um, I describe it as being a, a pretty good mimic of current human thought uh, ac across multiple different communities. So it isn't exceeding what the humans can do. Um, and it also it's within each specialty is somewhat shallow. Um, but to give a sense of the size of the model, um, although it's a little bit difficult to do the comparison, I think it's reasonable to think of it as being about a million times smaller than a human brain. So if you just measure the total number of connections and neurons, and depending on how you do it, you get different numbers. But um, it, it has absorbed all of the text that they could find. <laughs> I think more or less everything on the internet that they didn't consider to be too toxic and, or, or could be useful has been pushed through this filter um, and it's now available for people to use um, in, uh, in dialogue form. Uh, and what people are finding is that it's capable of doing um, graduate level essays. It's capable of doing uh, writing code uh, in the blink of an eye, often with perfectly compilable outputs, which is far better than any actual human being can do. 
the, you know, the, the idea that your code will run first time is a bit of a joke as far as human programmers go. But for ChatGPT, more often the case than not. And, and it is writing code that is quite, um, it, it has the feel of a more mature programmer. It's, it, it's in Keep, for example, if it's Python code, it's quite Pythonic the way that it writes. So, um, so imagine that the programmer community is able to uh, leverage this technology in a few years, integrate it. This will mean that theoretically people are much more productive. And uh, there's some disagreement about this, but I, I can't see any way that we can't use the this AI technology to multiply the productivity of programmers to some degree. You know, it's not going to make programmers, you know, unemployed. In, in, in some ways, it might make programmers even more valuable because they can do more useful stuff per day that they're working. Um, but if, if we've seen an acceleration in the capabilities of mankind through technology, and it's felt like it's stagnated a little bit recently, I think maybe we were just seeing a temporary blip and things are about to take off in terms of uh, in, in terms of sheer um, number of inventions per year, if you want to put it that way. Think, things that, uh, I, I know this is a very broad answer to your question, but th things mm. that people use today that five years ago they'd never heard of and now they can't live without, I think we will be able to trace most of those things over the next 10 years back to some use of deep uh, neural networks. So there's the chat GPT. There's, there's other things than that, though, that I want to throw into this bag too. So um, people have probably seen image generation. Video generation is also being developed, and I've seen some of the outputs of that. Um, you can imagine music generation is around the corner, but then also just the application of these techniques to much smaller specific problems. So are you developing a rendering library for a game? Well, maybe now your rendering will be done by a neural network. We almost, wherever you look, the solution will start to be, they threw lots of data into a machine and came up with a model that can now produce the, the best possible outcome. Um, so a, a lot of things that we don't quite yet know will change. But I want to caveat and say the realities of human life will remain surprisingly similar. So the things that, the things that actually a person cares about, which tend to be... Um, I'm disappointed with this thing in my life. I'm excited about whatever, you know, I've fallen in love. All, all of these things ha have sort of been constant throughout all of human existence. So there, there will be a lot of unknown new developments. And yet the, the overall effect will just be to accelerate evil and to some degree <laughs> to accelerate kind of material consumption i guess so we will not be escaping the human condition due to ai here 
yeah and i think it's important to keep that in mind as a as a fundamental that some things just never change some some things uh are more reliable um you know in in a world full of flux and change and i think it's helpful to know the things that we can absolutely rely on you know death taxes and uh, uh trouble with your mother-in-law this episode is brought to you by shopify do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real pos you need shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So one of the things that I think a lot of people worry about in the near future, especially it seems that a lot of the technology, especially when it comes to social media and everything, has been people voluntarily giving data and access um, to nefarious actors, uh, be giving them a large amount of information to your corporation so it can make sure to pitch you exactly the right thing, sure, but also making yourself a pretty wide target for things like censorship and control through social media. And I've seen a lot of people point to the fact that one of the things AI will probably get really good at really quick if it's not already on its way there is properly censoring and shaping online conversation. Uh, we yeah. already see that, you know, obviously Twitter, while it constantly talk about, uh, talked a lot about algorithms and everything, at the end of the day, they were making a lot of active decisions in the censorship process to make sure that they have the guiding hand. And I'm sure that no matter what form AI takes, at the end of the day, human priorities and parameters will speak a lot on to kind of how it uh, changes things. But, you know, you talked about how this might affect power and politics. Are we about to see an explosion in the ability of governments to be able to control, manipulate, censor uh, the activities of their citizens? <laughs> uh, of, of course, this is a very important question. Um Partly, <laughs> I feel like governments already have almost total ability to control their citizens' sure. brains as it is. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's maybe a moot point. Uh, but let's, Question of degrees, let's... perhaps, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll tighten the wrench that tiny bit more that they feel that they need. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about, let's go back to ChatGPT as an example of how this is already potentially happening. So mm -hmm. um, I mentioned that the core language model which by the way is is trained to predict text so they they feed it with a, a number of words and then say what comes next and that's its whole objective function is can it figure out what the next thing is that it's going to receive and then it's it's a slight modification of that approach with something on top that I'll talk about in a minute um, that gives it this dialogue form. But but prediction is, is the underlying thing. And one of the key factors to consider when you're training an AI model is what's the data that you're feeding it? Because you can... Um, all, all it's doing is reflecting back what 
what it's received. So if, if you feed it and prioritize and tell it to pay attention to a certain type of information, it, it will do as it's told. If it's already the case that the AI is receiving human data with a misconception in it, the AI will happily parrot back that misconception. So to, to the extent that the, the is already common public sentiment in the, say, lots of people talking on the internet that then gets put into the language model, if those people already um, are under a, um, uh, under a regime of information, the AI will propagate that understanding of the world. And it can be that the small amount of contra information is filtered out from the training data. So you, you can make sure that regardless of the question that goes in, they're only getting regime approved information back. Um, or you can you can put extra emphasis on things from approved sources. And I've, I've heard people talking about this who are working in language models that they, they want to cull the incoming data set. Um, so so that, the, you know, you could imagine um, the fact checkers of the world might get involved in deciding what, what they allow the AI to ingest, which eventually becomes the ingest of the, the general population. Then the thing that I just mentioned that goes on top of that base language model, um, what's called in the case of ChatGPT, the task head, is um, it is a second model, which people who've interacted with it might have noticed that there are certain topics which seem to give back quite a formulaic response. Um, so if you ask about an ethical question, it will quite often say, I'm an AI and I couldn't possibly comment on a real ethical issue. You know, I, I'm not prepared to comment. Mm. Um, but then there's other issues where it suddenly pipes up with a strong opinion. You know, if you ask about, um, let's say, LGBT issues, uh, it, it suddenly is is very opinionated and has a particular take. So you are not only you're no, not only interfacing with an AI that has fundamental leanings, but moreover, before there's an intermediate, there is an intermediary, you know, imagine uh, if you were sending letters uh, using, you know, the Soviet Union would open up your letter and read it and mm -hmm. potentially censor it, cross bits out, change it, or not let the letter through. It's essentially what's happening. So everybody who's going to chat GPT right now and asking questions about the universe or their job or or anything, they're being fed a very well-controlled, essentially Silicon Valley belief system as like a as like a layer on top of the raw information that they're looking for. Um, it, it's kind of the, tra it's transparently the, the dream use of AI for censorship that's already been implemented. Like it's, it's not like, imagine how this technology could be misused. It's, this was the most popular website ever launched with a million vi visitors in the first day and it came immediately out of the gate with 
all of the power, the most powerful censorship tools that you could possibly implement on top of it. And, yeah. and people are now integrating this into their lives. For the first time, something has really challenged Google as a synonym. How am I going to find out this piece of information? Google it. I think this will now change to be 50% of the time people will say, ask a chatbot and the chatbot will give you back an answer more quickly, more effectively, and with more complete censorship, more complete control over it. So yes. Now, it, was it previously the case that people were free thinkers and now this is suddenly going to cause a problem? <laughs> no. And right. is it the case that people who are already s somewhat, uh, you know, uh, dissident in their um, understanding of the world, are they going to be fooled by ChatGPT? Probably not. So I, I, it's it's probably just part of the cat and mouse game where um, the internet gave people a little bit more f freedom to communicate and reduced government power, but then the government found a way to use the internet to increase their power. And then AI came along and posed a threat, but now we're seeing how AI could be used to to cement power. So it, it, I, I think it's a it, it's a technology that has a you know it's a double sided sword, right? The the it, it's like most technologies could be used for for good and evil. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the case. I guess my main concern with some of that stuff is, you know, the it's it's the resistance that makes us human, right? It's the it's the edges that are rounded off. And my concern with things like AI assistance and writing or art, or all these things is that each one of these is a reduction in friction between you and the message of the regime. So mm -hmm. right now, a human has to type out the propaganda and it seems like a lot of people are willing to do that there's not like a, a a lack of people willing to to bang out regime propaganda for uh for relatively low pay right but at the end of the day someone has to lie to themselves and type that thing down and again a lot of people are willing to do it but there is a point of resistance there and when 80% of that is done by the chatbot that doesn't care and isn't conflicted by that then that point of resistance is gone. And while it doesn't feel like much now, once it's gone, it might have been the thing holding that kind of stuff back. And I think that happens in just kind of every area of life. As we allow the homogenization of this, you know, creation of culture, like beyond the automation of, you know, restaurant orders and into the automation of content that people consume, we move ever closer to this, complete ability of the Leviathan to generalize almost everything that someone actually uh, sees or watches or hears or thinks about. And yeah, it's, it'll still have a funny ant smell to dissidents and it'll, you know, yes, people of course were still largely led from the top down uh, in every culture ever. Like, you know, you, you won't see me having a hard time with, with that concept. But I do think there is a danger in the um, in greasing the skids in every scenario, if you know what I mean, like making sure that there's 
really no uh, no need for an individual human with individual will to be involved in the vast majority of these interactions like you said there'll still be someone corralling this stuff you know adding the finishing touches uh, that kind of thing but i do worry that you know yes of course there'll be censorship of course they'll shut down topics and you know their parabat propaganda but i'm worried about is the reliance on this stuff especially in creative news you know, journalistic you know um entertainment endeavors all of this will create a scenario where the you know again the homogenization of the culture and the immediate ability to inject the narrative into everything will be almost seamless for most people yeah and uh, don't get me wrong uh, although i was sounding cheery earlier in the stream i if i could would uninvent most of this technology (laughs) have a bad effect on the planet yeah, I'm just saying, let's not get it out of proportion. Things sure. will get perhaps slightly worse overall, but we're not going to see a complete dystopia emerge. As, and I say this mostly from the point of view that, um, as as you caveated and and as I said before, it's already the case that most people um, are completely in the belief system of the people who rule over them and that has always been the case and maybe the only thing that people need to realize is that 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 as you might predict that will continue into the future ai does not become the tool for emancipation from thought control but just becomes the next chapter in that in it. it it probably does ratchet up the degree the fine-grained control no longer is it the case that people just agree with general sentiments but now people can be asked to believe every tiny iota of, of the complex structure and and you could imagine now um an automated system which a an official is able to type a new fact into and the AI can now um, arrange the rest of the facts of the official story, modify them in different places, and and make that new fact um, the the easiest thing to accept and digest. Or you mm-hmm. could imagine slow changes to the truth regime, where a certain idea that's very unpopular currently is is given a low weight at the moment, but is increased day by day a small amount at a time and 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 you could push an idea to people and say i want them to be exposed to this sneak this piece of information into an answer if you get the chance like an annoying person when you talk to and it's like you know how do you know if somebody's a vegetarian it's gonna say a vegan joke is coming (laughs) yeah exactly so so if in the same way as a person can always steer the conversation round in the same way a, a, a text AI would be capable of maneuvering every discussion to include, like, well, you, you could easily imagine, I, I don't need to give uh, controversial examples, uh, but <laughs> people can come up with their own. How mm. how would somebody, how would your most annoying relative who has, um, who has fully drunk the Kool-Aid um, take any given opportunity to complain at your uh, thought crimes. Well, now you're going to get that from your phone's personal assistant. 
<laughs> essentially. Yeah. Now every moment of your uh, life is uh, Thanksgiving with your liberal in-laws. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, a, a true terror to behold. Uh, will, will modern <laughs> will modern wonders never cease? Uh, yeah. So. Um, <laughs> So another one that you mentioned there was the military implications. Now, I'm a little fascinated on this, and I've been trying to put this uh, talk together on automation in the military. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that comes able to do that one soon for everybody. Um, but, you know, we're always uh, under this impression that at some point we're going to be able to kind of escape the need for the soldier. Technology on the battlefield is going to, to, to kind of do this. I don't think we ever get there. But I think there are probably pretty important implications when it comes to artificial intelligence and military technology. What are some of the things that it might uh, change? How could it be implemented? Yeah, um, one of the things that is quite surprising to me when I think about um, armed conflict is the fact that boots on the ground continue to be absolutely vital to, to serious, um, you know, conflict be between between nations, which is surprising because we have the capacity to put a rifle on a drone that can be a smaller target and move faster and be, you know, manufactured at enormous rates um, and sent in to do a lot of the, you know, it, it can be a self-propelled, AI driven like we already have the technology that you might naively think makes actual personnel um unnecessary so that makes me a bit hesitant to suggest that that will ever change it seems like that's been a, another one of these constants that where human feet fall um supported by technology but fundamentally the 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 sign of ownership of a part of land is is a person and you know they, they have their weapons around them and they push forwards so um we see um right spheres of war the the land the air the sea and increasingly the there is a, a new arena of battle which is the cyber and two countries at war with one another um, are competing in this very difficult to um, very difficult to understand realm where whereby just as all of our lives are ruled and controlled by these invisible software technologies um, the they can be taken out they can be used against us um, remotely. And um, it's obviously the case that we need to um, we need to expect these attacks to be automated. Um, the state of the art of um, AI weapons, presumably, is far ahead of what civilians are aware of. <laughs> if yeah. you like, um, do you remember Stuxnet? Um, which was the attack on the centrifuges in Iran, mm. um, where it it was like, um, is it, what are those, I think of them as Russian nesting dolls, right? You have a small one inside a bigger one inside a bigger one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there was, you, you tend to think of, an, as a, of a cyber attack as having a payload. In this case, it was 
an outs uh, an attack with a payload that then became an attack with a payload that became an attack with a payload the, this series of nesting dolls where um each layer attacked a different technology with a different way of targeting its attack um it it's very difficult sophisticated work to get to get it all to go but it is a form of it's a form of artificial intelligence i'd argue it's a it's an agent acting in the world to have an effect on us um so i i mean that's just one example of the the way in which ai could influence warfare we'll see um obviously improved um you know machine vision can be used on a warhead or you could see uh, drones becoming way more intelligent and coordinated you you could see detection systems for all kinds of all kinds of things so um the the issue is all of this technology it's a, it's a kind of arms race uh of uh very sophisticated software um which means that the ability of a a smaller nation to fight against a larger will become more difficult if you see what i mean the, so the um the tendency that seems to exist in so many parts of life whereby the power concentrates and the ability to resist power weakens i think this is another example of of that rule at work whereby uh, the, the you you will see unbelievably sophisticated ai tools being used in war that are probably very top secret right now and if if it ever if they ever need to be used uh, we will see the complete annihilation of whoever whichever poor sucker has uh, tried to go up against the ai yeah it's a lot harder it, uh, to be braver or more fierce than uh, people who can turn off all of your electricity and all of your ability to have a functional you know uh, economy and, and everything else and we, so, we, ju we just don't know how vulnerable our systems are because mm. <laughs> i mean if, if suppose russia or china has the ability to just detonate the power grid at the you know at the drop of a hat um they may be waiting for the right moment to to play that card uh, but there may be so we think of um mutually assured destruction in terms of nuclear weapons uh, uh, but there could well be the equivalent whereby we've i i could see ourselves getting into a situation where everything is so automated around the world and based on these electronic systems um that we are in total reliance on them and then they get attacked maybe mutually and suddenly we all lose access to everything that we need to live and just completely um it we it, the instant collapse of uh, of the human race but without a single explosion taking place or you return to an order where people who are better at more you know direct combat suddenly become vastly superior because they weren't reliant as reliant on this technology in the first place well, that is the dystopian 
vision in some ways that right. um you, you could imagine like day of the triffids where everybody went blind you remember that um that they, no, they had I don't this know if I know that one so so uh in the book day of the triffids there's a kind of comet goes past the earth and everybody goes blind um except for a very few people who for example the protagonist happened to be in hospital with his eyes bandaged up so he then becomes one of the few people who can survive um and then there's the the triffids grow up and the, there's just these attacking plants the small number of seeing people find each other and try to continue humanity where most people across the earth just die so you could imagine a situation like that where well we used to have the ability to feed everybody but suddenly we don't and now there's not enough food for anything but a tiny percentage of humanity to go on living and we have no way to uh, really store any of the technology or knowledge that we've used so just sort of instant reset so now that we've gotten to our dystopia, uh, let's get to the uh, question I think most people have when they think of the AI, the ones that are really, you know, keep people up at night and that kind of thing. And that's the actual, you know, sentience of AI. It becomes self-aware. It starts making its own decisions, that kind of thing. Now, it's interesting, I think, that, you know, basically throughout human history, we've been terrified of creating something we couldn't control, you know, from Frankenstein on up but we still continue to move towards this. We seem to have really no self-control over the issue. Even if we've talked about the dangers of this a million times, we seem to continually run towards it. So I, I guess a, a couple questions here, you can take them in, in any order or, you know, leave, leave as many as, as you need to. But what are the, like, as humans become more reliant on artificial intelligence to make decisions and processes, how much of our decision-making will already be kind of this self-exciting feedback loop with artificial intelligence? And is there a chance that artificial intelligence could at some point then start making decisions in its own interest and not the interests of those that created it? Yeah, um, so this is a field known as AI safety, where mm -hmm. the concern is that um, we will create AGI, Advanced General Intelligence, which then um, in various ways becomes a threat to all of humanity. Um, I find this field absolutely fascinating. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's full of very powerful thought experiments um, and and quite compelling ones. Uh, m mostly the starting point for this is you say, firstly, that it's possible to create machines which have equal and then surpassing intelligence to us. So anything that we can do, they can do faster and better and stronger and harder. And, and then the other thing is that their interests are not aligned with hours so if you combine those two things and and say well look how humans have dominated the planet and it's our interests which drive um drive the world you know the the interests of any other animal is so secondary that they will get demolished you know if they are in our way in the same way if it if there comes a time when ai is 
that in comparison to us, we will get wiped out. And you might say, we, we can obviously, surely we can create um, some safety mechanisms. We can make sure that the interests of the AI perfectly align with ours. Unfortunately, this is a topic of quite extensive thought and some very clever people have worked really hard to solve it and haven't yet. So, I, I mean, it's a fun exercise and maybe people might be thinking now about how they would develop advanced AI technology and keep humanity safe. And, and it seems like a problem that shouldn't be too difficult to solve if people are careful. Actually, it turns out it's extremely difficult to solve. It may be mathematically impossible. It may be that the existence of AGI is inevitably associated with the extinction of humanity. Um, so uh, may maybe you might say we're going to limit the access that the AI has to the world. We're just maybe the, maybe we will never connect it to the internet directly. We'll put it in an airlocked room and we'll just have somebody who goes into the room to talk to it. Unfortunately, a super intelligent AI is probably capable of sending text to the human. You know, maybe you just developed this technology to cure cancer, but it's going to be so persuasive, so exceedingly clever that it can it can make the person who goes in plug it into the internet. Like, how do yeah. you how do you make sure that they can't do that? How are you going to make sure that um, uh, people may have heard the postage stamp example? Do you, do you know of this one? No, I don't. Okay, so suppose you build a super intelligent AI and all you want it to do is to send you postage stamps. Like you, You're like, what's the worst that could happen? I just want a really big stamp collection. Unfortunately, as soon as the AI has finished collecting the stamps in your local area, it's going to start wanting to buy stamps from around the world. So it's going to connect to the stock market and it's going to start uh, acquiring, you know, billions of pounds for itself so it can order more stamps. And then it's going to buy up all the companies in the world and it's going to fire the CEOs and put every human on the planet into subservience to start making stamps to send to you. And then once it's finished with that, it will realize that the remaining atoms on the planet could be better used as stamps. So it, it will arrange a space fleet to come in and obliterate the Earth and turn it all into stamps. So the, the single-mindedness of a, a, of a straightforward objective function like make me as many stamps as possible um, turns out to inevitably lead to the destruction of the planet Earth yeah. and, and probably the, the entire universe. Um, yeah, the, the most efficient uh, way to, uh, uh, to complete almost any task is total and complete domination, right? Yeah. And you might so. say, okay, well, I don't want as many stamps as possible. I just want 10 stamps. And then the AI goes, well, a, a human could show up and deliver an 11th stamp. So I still have to destroy mankind. <laughs> it's just, it, it turns out that much like humans, AI also wants complete total power. And, and mm -hmm. it becomes another member 
another agent in the power game that we exist within, but it's also the best player, and it immediately outcompetes all of us and and puts us all to shame, and we you know becomes a one AI elite ruling over us. Um, so that's a that's a scary prospect, and we don't seem to have any solutions to it. Um, I suppose my um, I suppose my to get to become the the voice of unnecessary optimism again. I'm skeptical of the claim that we are on the precipice of replicating brains in silicon. Um, now we're very as as humans we're very keen to attribute agency to anything that we see so we see a new AI development and assume that the that well this is it we are days away from agi being a thing um but just to illustrate how easily we are fooled or at least our empathy is kind of driven at if you make a text-based computer game where it says you know Ah, please don't kill me. And then asks you as a dialogue box, do you want to kill the imaginary person? People will feel genuinely like it is a, a moral duty not to kill the person who was introduced with one line of text. So, so we need to be careful about um, overly attributing human uh, understanding onto things, you know, anthropomorphizing these machines. Mm -hmm. So, yes. The language models are very impressive. Yes, the image generation is 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 really cool. However, th there remains a capacity to tackle unbounded tasks and to act um, in the world, you know, tr truly as a um, self compelled intelligence that no nobody beside humans has. So, as much as we can, we've developed the ability to throw more data at algorithms. Um, if you actually compare the amount of energy used by these language models, which are a million times smaller than our brain, versus an actual human brain, uh, we are a, a very long way away from even matching the abilities of the brain in its own domain. Um, now, AI has shown the ability to do video games. So that looks like generality, right? You can take an Atari, and there is now a model that can tackle whichever game that you throw at it, which, which feels like general AI. Um, but my observation on that is that a game, by its very nature, is designed to be something which is difficult for the type of brains that we have. It's mm -hmm. intended specifically to be a challenge to humans. So it's difficult for our type of intelligence, but very, very easy for the, the neural networks that we build in silicon. But the reverse, I think, will always be true. I, I'm going to stand up for humanity and say that we have something that is truly irreplicable. We, we can't build a computer version of what we have between our ears. Um, and I I actually think, <laughs> I don't know if this is an optimistic take or not. 
I think we will see the collapse of our civilization long before we build an AI uh, that can even it, it, that can even approach convincing anybody that it can it has the same general type of intelligence that a human has. Um, yeah. So the optimism there is the collapse of civilization, to be clear. Well done. That's, that's the white pill that everyone was hoping for. Yeah, no, I uh, I have a similar impulse. I have a similar, you know, kind of gut reaction, which is that that which is necessary to constantly keep this kind of technology up and running and uh, maintain it, that kind of thing, well, those kind of systems would probably fall apart. The coordination would fall apart before the, the technology actually reached the point of like escaping a kind of human capacity and that kind of thing. I think you might be right about that. Not, not that I'm not going to drop my, uh, my uh, Butlerian Jihad uh, position, but you know, just good, good to know that that is a possibility. So one more thing before we go, and uh, this is a big question to leave, this interview on, but we hit the hour and uh, we still have super chats uh, stacking up. So I want to go ahead and round things up here. So if you don't have a, a enough time to hit it all, it's okay. But what about the religious implications of this? You're somebody who, you know, like I said, you run, run a, a Bible study channel. You probably thought about this some. What are the implications for people, you know, Christians perhaps, but but people of, of other faiths as well, of incorporating this into our lives even if we can even if we can control every aspect of this even if we were able to make this simply a useful tool another hammer in our bag is there at some point a danger uh for people who don't believe purely in material existence of becoming too reliant on something that's entirely artificial in their daily mm. lives mm. um Okay, a, a couple of thoughts in this realm. Um, one which is, so I, I believe humans are created in the image of God. That's one of the very first things that, that the Bible tells us. Um, it's not entirely clear what that means, but everything that we create is, secondary so i think i think it's important to i think it's important for christians to uh understand and clarify what it is about a human that is um distinct uh divine significant a lot a lot of people are increasingly seeing the human being as nothing but a brain uh, kind of in a what's the phrase a meat um the meat suit. you know a meat suit right the, yeah. the the thing that really matters about us is the pure processing that happens like the behavior um i think we should push back on this in various ways for various reasons um so it's useful I, I think it's a useful clarification for us for a start to say actually the fact that we are embodied is significant the fact that we have actual conscious experiences and a first person perspective which no matter what anybody says i don't believe an ai will ever have is significant 
we should consider humans as the most important ethical unit and not just intelligences. Um, and I, I think people do have an intuition about that because we don't consider somebody to be less important um, because they're less intelligent. <laughs> or at least well depends on people. depends on who but yeah i hear you yeah <laughs> true yeah but but fortunately still remains the case that most people would mm. would affirm the moral significance of people who have low intelligence um and we have outsourced a lot of the things that humans do to human creations in, in, you know we used to build things by hand and now we have machines, so we've outsourced some of our, you know, bodily function to a thing that we've created. And what we're increasingly doing, and this has already been happening for a hundred years, but we, we're developing tools that can outsource bits of our brain increasingly. And this is all part of a general, seemingly irresistible drive um, by humans to. Uh, become more rich, more wealthy. Like we, you know, we, we forever are inventing something and then using it to make more, more delicious food and, and more amazing, I don't know, fashion, whatever we use the excess uh, resources for. Um, but we, I, I believe that we have been given our bodies as gifts and there is a joy in using the body um, for all of its abilities. So I warn, I would warn against people letting their bodies lie physically fallow. I think actually, even though we have machines that can, we can get in a car and drive, yeah, we don't need to walk or run or exert energy to move around the globe. But something of us dies if we never do that. I think the same thing may be about to happen with AI. If we stop using our brains, then there is a part of our beautiful God-given humanity that we are failing to enjoy and appreciate. So I, I'd encourage people, um, as the new AI revolution takes off, um, not to see it as a threat to humanity, but to see it as a reminder of the importance of the products of actual human work and effort. So um, value a handmade, I don't know, uh, a chair. Say a carpenter has made something for you by hand. Love that thing as more important than one that's been made in a factory. And in the same way, love your brain, love the um, artwork that's created by real humans, love the poetry and the books that have been written by humans, because um, ultimately the source of that creation um, is, is something that's uh, closer to a human, a human connection, right? We, we, um, we delight in being on a planet with other people, not just with services and goods not just with stuff um so as ai as ai pushes at things that we used to think were uniquely human i think it 
it should cause us to realize that the the true source of our specialness the true source of our humanity and the thing that that's valuable about us is, is in the fact that we are images of god and all that ai can ever be is an image of us excellent i think that's a good answer so as we transition over here to the super chats real quick uh do you just want to tell people kind of uh, where they can find your stuff uh different channels they should check out that kind of thing yes yeah, sure um so as as i mentioned at the beginning of the stream the channel that i put the most effort into is called lambda bible studies and that's the easiest to find in youtube as well lambda like the greek letter l-a-m-b-d-a lambda bible studies and there i have generally much like this it's an hour-long stream we talk about a chapter from the bible lots of my guests are christians um lots of plenty of them are not and uh, either way we get lots of really interesting insights hopefully i mean when i started the channel it was actually called based bible studies and i i like to think i still keep that lineage alive that um whereas you can go to a church these days and a lot of what you hear ends up being um pretty woolly liberal regurgitations of what you see on like the bbc news website when you come to my channel it's truly informed by the word of god uh whether or not that is an approved line and i'm going to keep talking about what the bible says until the day that i get kicked off of youtube um and then i'll keep doing it but i won't be broadcasting to anybody um and, th and then i have a channel just called lambda and that's for any other conversations that i do um so like i've got uh, a thing coming up in in easter where, where i'll probably interview 30 or 40 people on a on a wide range of topics excellent all right well make sure that you're checking luke's stuff out there i believe i'll be one of those people appearing on his channel at some point during this so it's the the lampster as uh, i believe he has a title is is always a, a good time so make lampster, sure like out. like millennial was the yes. kind of christmas for the dissident rights or whatever <laughs> you know it's now the gathering place is, for yeah. over, during easter yeah yeah, so I thought, well, we ought to have a gathering place at Easter. Absolutely. All right, so let's go ahead and head to our uh, Super Chats, because actually we have quite a few here. Uh, Patrick Ryland for $9.99. Thank you very much, sir. We've taken too much for granted, and at the same, uh, and all the time is grown from techno seeds we first planted, evolved a mind of its own. I feel like that's a quote from something. Are you familiar with that one at all? I'm not familiar with the quote. Shall I Google it? Uh, um, if, if you'd like sure <laughs> why don't you read the next one while i google this we prepare for that one uh yeah but the quotation marks make me you know like who would was... know what this is from who would that be yeah uh, i was gonna say your chatbot yes <laughs> uh i can't seem to find it on an initial google so i'm afraid oh, okay. i i don't know what that referred to very very many apologies to your super chat today. Yeah, sorry, Patrick. I, I wish we had a better grasp on where that came some, from, but it sounds like it's it's from some sci-fi novel or something somewhere, I feel like. Uh, Bjorg with Pipe for $2. Uh, AI outputs are obfuscated word clouds. Um, hmm. That is an obfuscated word cloud to me, but does that make sense to you? <laughs> well, you probably would recognize a word cloud, right? You. you put in a bunch of data and then the it gives you back an image where the largest word is the one that came up the most common and the next okay etc 
Um, yeah, it, 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 I think what's intuitively correct about that observation is that the language models truly are just doing a simple algorithm often based on fundamentally a word frequency study there's something a little bit more markovian about it because it will know which words follow other words the most often mm. um and i mean it, it's worth mentioning that a a neural network if you construct it the right way with with the right um uh, you know the right functions on the connections between neurons um you can have turing complete functionality contained within the neural network so if if you imagine um the depth of the neural network relates to the number of lines of code <laughs> in a certain sense although it's kind of exponential the point is that you you could um you can encode very complicated patterns and that's what has led to i mean the amount of actual work that's been involved in making the um chat gpt or to take let's take another ai that we haven't really talked about yet so do you remember when uh alpha go beat lisa doll who was the reigning human champion at the game go Okay, yeah, though before we move on to that, you used a oh, term sorry. that people not very familiar with, Turing complete. Can you explain for people what that means? Oh, sorry. Yes. So a Turing complete machine is able to do any computation. Um, you, you know, a modern processor is able to perform an arbitrary calculation. What's the simplest machine that you could run any cal calculation on and it turns out to be unbelievably simple all you need is memory consisting of a single row you can just have ones and zeros and then a state diagram so you could have a pointer to where you're at on this tape that represents your memory and a current position on the state diagram and the state diagram just tells you how to update the place that you're on where to move to and which next state to go to. So I, I don't know if I explained that very clearly, but the point is that the, in that many words, you can describe a machine that can do any algorithm that you could possibly imagine. Um, so the comment on the neural networks was that um, they are capable of doing, if, if it's sufficiently deep of a neural network, they can perform any calculation in the same way. And then you can train them with data so that they can increasingly bend themselves into the pattern. So it's, it's like um, if the traditional way of writing software is that you input instructions directly onto the Turing machine, machine learning is like a way of saying, keep changing the parameters of the Turing machine until it quite often ends up with the right calculation coming out the end. Um, okay. So, so I, I, hopefully that communicated that, that there is genuine power and, and depth in this idea of, of a neural network. 
Um, so when people say it's just pattern recognition, I mean, you could argue that everything inside intelligence is is pattern recognition. pattern recognition. Yeah. Right. So with sufficiently complicated patterns, you 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 can understand the 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 entire universe. Gotcha. All right. So Trey uh, Trey fifty Daniel here for ten dollars. Thank you very much. Uh, Microsoft bought a stake in OpenAI, so uh, this is uh, so this is possibly going to get much worse. Uh, what is OpenAI? <laughs> well, OpenAI is the company that has developed a lot of the AIs that I've talked about. Um, mm -hmm. So, for example, um, ChatGPT is a product of OpenAI. You would think by the name that OpenAI is transparent and publishes their findings, publishes their data, allows the software to be used by anybody. But in fact, OpenAI is uh, one of the, the most closed and secretive companies that, that you know, maybe it wasn't like that to start with, but at this point, then the, the name is, is quite deceptive. Um, now, is it better or worse than Microsoft? I guess Trey has a strong opinion on this. I, I think that um, the, the way that OpenAI have behaved doesn't fill me with confidence either. So <laughs> maybe maybe things will get worse. I, all I can see Microsoft doing is integrating it into um, VS Code. And um, I, I guess they've got various pro projects underway that that this technology will be useful for, but I don't see Microsoft as the chief villain in, in the universe. They are just one amongst a cadre of questionable, uh, questionable organizations. Nothing particularly evil about them. I don't know. Uh, Bill, Bill Gates makes me wonder, but I guess he's not really that involved at this point, but still. Yeah. Well, we know about Bill Gates. Yeah, when he's probably, not trying to blot out the sun, you know. There's probably worse shadowy figures. I mean, that's, yeah, certainly uh, a lot sure of the stuff. True. A lot of the stuff we know about Bill Gates uh, is extremely worrying. So, yeah, is Bond villain esque? Yeah. He All is, right, yeah. so uh, we've got a uh, creeper weirdo here for ten dollars. Thank you very much, sir. Humans are based. Robots are cringe. Hard to argue. Uh, the more I listen to engineers talk about the advancement they're capable of, the more I think. They're bad people, or at least speak uh, bug man <laughs> normie. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I know quite a, quite a number of based engineers, but what I, do you think? I mean, I think the best the best way to visualize engineers is um, the original Jurassic Park film, where they were so worried about whether they could they didn't yeah. stop to think about whether or not they should in a sense the archetype of an engineer is best thought of as like at worst they're like highly autistic and don't care about people but the the, the sort of that's better than being the machiavellian villain who's actively trying to ruin the planet you know at least the engineer is only ruining the planet by accident, but but yes, I, I mean the quote unquote advancement, the techno optimism is is something that's worth questioning, and uh, most technology seems to be used for evil. I, I would say, just to give a Christian perspective on this a little bit, 
I think the real explanation for why technology ends up being mostly used for evil is because technology accelerates the power of people who use it and people turn out to be mostly evil. Yeah. Um, in the vision of where we're going in the Bible, we end up in a city, not back in the garden. The, the new heavens and the new earth is described as if it's a, like civilization rather than just a, a wilderness. So I think there's a positive potential within every technology. And so although we see the ill effects of technologies, if you are a virtuous person, I don't think you should feel bad about using technology for good. And in the same way, I think we should be on the lookout for how AI can be used for actual positive change in the world, given that it appears to be happening, whether we want it or not. Revelation as a uh, message of tech optimism. I like it. That's a, that's a good take. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, J, uh, JPG here for $10. Thank you very much. Humans will prefer a human touch is wrong by cap capitalism's history. First, there was labor capital, then identity capital. Example, uh, change your shirts. Now, spiritual capital, free trade. <laughs> Next, let us abolish man. Um, I think that there is probably a decent uh, case to be made there. You do, people, when left to their own devices, do actually seem to, if not completely eschew human contact, prefer a particularly limited form of it, or at least one that they're constant control of. So maybe humans prefer the veneer of human touch as, as opposed to like the actual friction that human interaction provides. But I don't know if you want to comment on that one. Do you remember that experiment where they put a bunch of uh, mice in a kind of mouse utopia? Yes. Where yeah. they had abundant food and drink and they just left them to see what would happen. And the essentially things deteriorated over the course of several generations. And one of the archetypes of mouse that developed was called the beautiful ones. And, and these mice just lazed around and preened themselves. And, you know, they didn't really want to have anything. They, they weren't breeding. They didn't care to interact with other mice. They just became sort of pampered and then died out. Um, th that was just a subset of them. And I, I could see a very similar thing seeming to happen to human civilization, right? Where there is a, a type of person who who eschews the, the contact with other humans. Um, I, I do tend to think the technological component in the development, the kind of rise and fall of civilization is overplayed. I think most of the effects are just human... Um, are just human nature and we see a, a technology develop then we see human behavior change and and then we apply the the logic of well it happened after therefore it, it was caused by and and that i think is fallacious yeah i could see the the causality being wrong there but i also think that just because technology amplifies certain aspects of human nature 
doesn't mean that the technology wasn't an instigator, right? Like you, I think you're absolutely right that like in many ways, the problems that technology magnifies were already there and they're simply been given license by the abilities of technology, but that doesn't mean the technology therefore isn't dangerous because we do believe, like I think both of us do that humans do have a nature and that nature is fixed and will always be, uh, weak and uh and and susceptible to exploitations of that nature then technology existing that allows for the mass exploitation of nature might be too dangerous to exist and for civilization to function in a healthy way yes but i also believe that technology is almost inevitable so uh it's impossible to stop people from inventing things and um if a certain technology leads inevitably to the civilization collapsing, then the civilization will inevitably collapse. Yeah, uh, I think there's a possibility of that, but I think there are arguments in other direction, but perhaps for another okay. stream there. Uh, JPG uh, again for $2, uh, me a good capitalist saving on characters. Yes, thank you for your chat, <laughs> sir. We appreciate that. Uh, let's see here. Next one. Uh, Creeper Weirdo for $5. Are you sure that the stamps thing isn't a joke? It sounds like a joke. Uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with that hypothetical, uh, but I, I do understand what it's saying, that the narrowness of the mission can eventually you know, create unintended consequences. The, the people researching AI safety are extremely self-serious and non-joking <laughs> types of people. So if you think that their reasoning is not correct then you should engage with the they, they'd be very keen to hear from you but um yeah it, it, it's certainly not it wasn't dreamed up as a as a joke it, it was dreamed up as a very as a way of making what they consider to be an existentially important point absolutely all right, uh, Paul Frog here, or Polly Frog for $10. Thank you very much. I believe we'll never create a true AI. I believe it will be created by general AI that can write and improve its own code. I believe it's outside of our standing or our understanding thoughts. So what do you think about that? That we ourselves won't actually create the complete AI, but it will be birthed by the... Uh, less interesting or the the less intelligence AIs that will eventually kind of build to this? Uh, well, the, the, yeah, this is certainly part of the argument that general AI is inevitable and, and scary is that once it exists, it can create, like if we've created an intelligence that's more intelligent than us, it can create an intelligence that's more powerful than it. Mm -hmm. And indeed, Maybe it's doing it in secret right now. Maybe maybe it's too late and it's already in this process of self-evolution. No human is even aware. You know, it's happening um, disguised as some demon process that we think is doing. Maybe all the cryptocurrency mining that's going on around the world is not, in fact, calculating large prime numbers, but is the AI secretly at work. So, um, yeah, I... I guess relates a little bit to what I was saying before about my skepticism about general AI. Um, I don't know what the distinction Paulie Frog is drawing between true AI and general AI. I, I don't think true AI is a concept I'm familiar with. I, don't, I, I think 
there may be a confusion of terms there. But the, but the okay. general idea of self-modifying code is interesting. Um, again, I, I yeah, I, I, certainly something that people will look into and give a go at. If if I mean, why not put a lot of focus on self-improving AI that uh, may be the quickest route to solving a lot of our problems, and then that may become a um, out of control loop where it evades us and then we get some sci-fi dystopia maybe okay oh i see here uh some people are saying that the quote from the very beginning was ah. uh, from judas priest song which makes sense because their albums on the oh, up on the wall behind me there uh though that song is not on that album but yeah my head was not in that space but okay that makes yeah. sense thank you for the uh for the clarification there chat uh, glow in the dark here for five dollars says people like using the easy way and avoid using uh, doing it the hard way calculators for example people used to, used to doing calculations in their mind or on a board yeah I mean it's always really difficult to explain to people why you have to go back and learn how to do something without the technological crutch and even if it is particularly important that you do that it's still extremely hard for people who have kind of been, birthed into a world where that crutch is always available to understand why it's important which is why like if you've ever you know interacted with a you know young person trying to learn math they're like i can just do this in a calculator so it doesn't matter they you can't really explain to them the value of solving the equation without the calculator they just don't get it one day they will but you, you just can't explain to a 13 year old or 14 year old like why that's important uh, so I, I think that's always true, and I think it only becomes increasingly true as your technology abstracts you more and more away from the skill. Uh, I think, again, that uh, is unfortunately just part of human nature, and it's very difficult for people to kind of break out of that. Worth saying that people have been predicting we are about to invent a machine that is equivalent to a person forever. The, the yeah. old mechanical Turk, um, you know, where people would wheel a machine in and claim that it could play you at chess. And in fact, it was a person hidden inside a box who could uh, give instructions, um, you know, via mechanical. This was before computers existed. Um, we understand that calculators are machines that do our bidding. And I, I see no reason that that won't continue to be the case for all the AI. Yeah, it will make a massive difference and change society but fundamentally, these are tools that people use to do evil things. And that's the real thing to be scared of. Uh, PBK here, uh, her $10 Canadian. Thank you very much. Maybe a question for Luke, but how to use software engineering skills for good, i.e. not working on Wi-Fi connected fridges, working for big evil <laughs> corporations. Uh, I am a software engineer, I think is that abbreviation, looking to make uh, not evil things. So yeah, how do we keep mm -hmm. uh, how do we keep all these evil corporations out of our fridge? What's, what's the best <laughs> way to use uh, your powers for good as a software engineer? Yeah, this is a question that has caused me quite a lot of um, uh, meditation <laughs> over the last few years. I mean, so I, I am a software engineer and I work on quite a wide variety of technologies. When I, you know, began on the this career path, I was the biggest techno optimist on the planet. And I felt like there was nothing you could do that was more for the good of mankind than writing software 
for more or less any purpose that you were just building this amazing mechanism that mankind used for you know alleviating poverty and making people's lives better and I, I, I thought it was all positive I flipped significantly to the point where I almost felt like every technology was nothing but evil <laughs> so then I was like am I in a purely evil job where everything I do is actually making the world worse uh, hopefully I've now come to a more balanced position <laughs> um I, I think the truth is that firstly technology is inevitable if we if 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 you as a software engineer don't write that piece of software somebody else will or somebody will at a competitor uh, you that know, you you won't um you won't change the course of human history whether you do or don't participate uh, now I could I could bring up historical examples where participating in a yeah that breaks down that pretty happening quick. Yeah, isn't right. isn't advisable. But that's I think use a starting point as a useful reminder. Secondarily, I don't think technology is always evil, and in fact, I think technology is basically neutral. So, yes, great evil is perpetuated by technology. But great good as well, and it's e it's easy to forget that um, it, it, it's easy to forget that if if you're evaluating, I'm, I'm trying to think the right way to phrase this. Um, when you're talking about good and evil, you need to have an ethical framework, and I, I guess for me, good and evil really is a spiritual realm. And the effects of technology appear to have been negative on aggregate because I think we've seen a significant spiritual decline. I think we are seeing in the West turning away from God, turning to do more evil, degenerate, self-serving and judgment-worthy things. Um, and at the same time, technology has massively proliferated. But again, like I was saying, I don't think those are actually causally linked. Um, by being in technology, we can do good by small choices where we um, are thoughtful about the effects of the technology and push it more towards the positive direction than the negative. Basically, what I'm saying is that there is great power in being an engineer. If you're, if if you're, um, if if all the people involved as engineers are evil, the technology as a whole will be more evil. So I think there is a place for engineers to work and do good, and the and unfortunately, it will be a case by case, and you'll have to evaluate quite far because the impacts of the technology are probably a long way off. And maybe it's unforeseeable, the damage that you're doing. Um, but better we have some people in on the ground floor trying to avert disaster than that we just let go of the wheel entirely. Can't uh, can't affect the game if you're not playing it, I guess, is the yeah. not there. Yeah. Yeah, Love, I mean, uh... as we as we decide whether to steer off the cliff quickly or slowly, 
Right, right. Slightly, <laughs> we can just slightly get, we slower. Can you slowly. can exactly. Uh, Laughing gas here for five dollars says I heard that story as a paperclip AI instead of stamps, but same thing. Yeah, so apparently not just a, a completely new scenario, but one that other yeah. people have heard of before. There. Uh, let's see here. Uh, there are a number of uh, figures there that I can't quite pronounce, but thank you very Lee much. Templar, I think is, is that... the pronunciation. All right, I trust you on that. Well done. There must be a computer engineering skill. Uh, I, I think the uh, scary thing is once AI attains the intelligence of a mob versus just one person, eventually you could have a literal galaxy brain intelligence. We assume uh, more think equals more gooder. Yeah. Mm, that's quite so, insightful. Yeah. So, yeah, a couple of thoughts. One is um, on the subject of is more think equal more gooder. Uh, I recommend people to read uh, Notes from Underground by Dostoevsky, which is a really interesting, has a really interesting meditation on that topic and, and sort of proposes that the man of will uh, you know, imagine the he heroic masculine figure who goes out into the world and does things changes stuff you know for the better can't be this uber intellectual thoughtful person because there's an inherent contradiction in order to act you can't be held back by all this intellectualizing and so there is a bit of a scourge of um promoting the intellectual and even if we don't think that way directly we we tend to be influenced in that direction so when we see a more intelligent thing like an AI, we'd say, great, rule us, please. You're obviously smarter, therefore you deserve to rule. And actually, most of the good that's been done throughout history has been done um, from the heart rather than from, from the brain. So um, I that last part, very good point. The question of a mob versus one person, uh, it, in a strange way, I think that the intelligence of the AI is quite similar to a mob at the moment. Um, have you heard the story about the carnival where the average guess of all the people attending was closer to the weight of the pig than any of the individual guesses? Sure. So I think this only works if all the people guessing are experts in the field and they don't spend too much time on it. But it is plausible that the effect of lots of people briefly considering something as subject matter experts is a sort of good proxy for one person thinking for a long time on the topic. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's the case that it. I, I don't think you could produce a mechanism like that that exceeds the accuracy of a an expert if the expert was given a sufficient amount of time. And I see this kind of pattern a lot in the work of AI, where um, it is, at best, it sort of tops out, as it were, that the ability of the AI tops out um, towards the ability of the upper quadrant of human participants in a field from which the data was drawn. So if you if you want the best result, I'm pretty confident it will always be that an actual human will produce the top quality 
art, for example, or text, or you know, whatever that that um, the AI is a sort of uh, clever, smudged off approximation of quite high quality versions of whatever domain it's operating in, um, which is probably better than when you get a group of humans together and they act as one that seems to produce a particularly lowest common denominator worst kind of behavior it's like imagine the worst impulses of the worst person in the mob now everybody behaves that way right so i think ai is probably probably doing better than a real human mob but there's an interesting similarity there yeah yeah better at what i guess is the concern there yeah yeah true um all right and following up there uh hopefully restoration bureau is good for our side um i'm not sure what that's in reference to um uh i'm also not but i'm googling it yeah it feels like, it feels like of restoration science fiction see, that can't be it uh okay sorry don't know all right no problem all right thank you for your question there uh mana you'd Sushia, I think, is uh, for uh, one ninety nine. Thank you very much. Question: What is your favorite AI fiction? Um, that's a good one. Uh, I would, I guess, is it cheating to say Dune because the AI <laughs> has been destroyed? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what would be your favorite AI fiction? I actually find um, the AI in Ex Machina quite compelling. Yeah, have that you, was a good have one. Have you seen that movie? Yes, that's a very good movie. And and it, it it's helpful as it pulls at our intuitions about appearance versus reality with regards to AI. This is a um so spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Ex Machina, but the the robot intelligent robot in Ex Machina deceives the main character into thinking that it's a, a essentially a human woman who is worthy of his concern and ultimately he um out of compassion springs her out of the the facility in which she was kept um and then she leaves him in there to die and the clever thing about the movie is that um actually the viewer i think is brought along the same journey as the main character as the protagonist where you also fully believe that this character is a is a person and then it reveals darkly that actually there was no true no there was no true human there and it was all a ploy and a trick and th and this is the this is the concern i think that that ai safety people would raise uh is that we can be very easily manipulated. And also that uh, if if all the humans die and are replaced by more intelligent but soulless beings, we have a cold, dead, pointless universe. Well, on that cheery note, let's move to our next one here. Uh, <laughs> Glow in the dark for $10. Thank you very much, sir. I worry about Neuralink turning people into AIs. Imagine if the interaction between two uh, makes an artificial human mind that can function without a chip, you become a robot. So no longer in control of your mind, are you still actually an individual? Or are you now a separate AI? Interesting. 
Yes, I, I mean, the, the answer from Musk, I'm sure, would be that we are already cyborg. Um, mm. How many of us can really function without many levels of technology as it is? Um, I feel like I've outsourced many of my um, functions already to my phone. I don't know what's coming up tomorrow, but my calendar does. I don't remember half of the things that I need to do to do my job, but I've got them all in notes apps. I, I rely on uh, Google to do lots of my programming. Perhaps in the short future, it will be a, a chatbot that I rely on. Uh, perhaps if I could get um, uh, you know, a, a quicker interface than typing stuff into a phone, um, I'd be even more productive. I, I think it, it's it's a bit like the quest. You, you know, um, you know the Descartes concept of um, cogito ergo sum. Uh, I think, therefore, I am. Mm. Uh, like at root, regardless of what else is going on in our lives, even if we are being fooled by demons, or a more contemporary example would be even if we are plugged into the matrix there has to still be a human at, at the core of it somewhere deep buried down behind the neuralink and behind the whatever else gets invented um there is still that that human being all right and oh uh let me see oh no that would be okay I think we got that one. And our last one here, uh, Laughing Gas for $10. Uh, thank you very much again. Not going to lie, I do find the idea of promoting uh, a AI or prompting an AI, give me a fun action movie in the style of Michael Bay with under, uh, with uh, undering Christian values. With, so with Christian values would be better than the Hollywood slop we have today. Uh, yeah, I do get that. Like uh, if, if, you know, Hollywood won't make the kind of entertainment you're hoping for if you're t exhausted with getting the latest uh, kind of woke NPC download, being able to prompt something that could produce uh, something better that otherwise wouldn't get been made by Hollywood. I could see the uh, appeal of that. Yeah. I think Laughing Gas is um, giving me the opportunity to propose uh, something else I've, uh, I foresee happening as a trend in the short um in, in the fairly near future which is highly personalized bespoke entertainment so what's the use of having a hollywood movie with an ai script when there's a million people in la with spec scripts in their backpack that are probably better than what the ai comes up with okay probably not probably we will still have art being created by humans to some degree but i think what we will see is now you can create on the fly bespoke entertainment that is specifically targeted to you that has mm. um all of your exact interests <laughs> and is it knows about your current mood it knows about you know your favorite taste in music and everything and ties it all together and generates it and even if even if a human artist is always going to be able to produce better art um on, on a general level i think the real threat is that people are going to want 
uber individualized it's kind of continuing the trend of individualism where it's not good enough i i, I want something that is even more precisely targeted at me so culture could splinter even further because AI can generate such specific stuff. You don't even have to fall into the sub 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 genre of I really like eighties yeah. metal. Even you know, I you can have music that's entirely tailored to every type of your particular uh, interest, and you can't ever really yeah, you know, share like those experiences. In a movie, you have a soundtrack as the characters move around that perfectly mm -hmm. underscores what's happening to them. It fits their mood it maybe even lines up with how they're walking and makes them feel awesome on the screen. I, I think we'll see essentially that develop where um, it, it will be uh, melodies that you're familiar with, but with new harmonies and new orchestration that fits the, you know, you, you, you're going to, you're going to be made to feel like you are the protagonist in a movie, uh, but a movie that nobody is watching. Interesting because it could create even more atomization uh, because you have even fewer contact points with people, even though, again, you'll have a more homogenized delivery mechanism. And very interesting. A lot to think about there. Uh, oh, we got one more that jumped in here at the end. Uh, Glow in the dark for $10. Thank you very much. Any muscle, if you don't use it, will wither. If the chip does the thinking or activation of the brain, could you use it uh, on your own? like sitting for a long time, your legs uh, still function, but not as well. And yeah, I think glow in the dark again, that takes us back to kind of the calculator example, right? You'll, it is true that it's very difficult to get people to go ahead and do the things that are good for them. If something else will already do it for them. And if they don't exercise those abilities, it, it does come apart. But I think Luke has already, you know, kind of pointed out that those things end up being tools in the long run for many people, um, that other things are iterated upon the, so they're not totally negative, negative, even if they do come with downsides. And a reminder that even as everybody around you sinks into a morass of individualism and weakness, you have it within your power to reject that and, and live a powerful, you know, continue to hit the gym. Now hit the gym with your brain as well. Uh, you know, become the person that you um, are destined to be regardless of the pressures put upon you. Yeah, I think that's right. Especially if you're worried about, um, especially if you're worried about the homogenization as if you're worried about this blandness, the ability to rise above it will set you apart even more, right? If everyone else is on this certain level, then the fact that you are one of the few people who is willing to go out and kind of take charge and shape your existence and continue to maintain your body and mind and your ability to do certain things will set you apart. And, and I really do think that at the end of all this tech stuff, that does tend to be the message for people who are trying to figure out like a plan of action, you know, it, it, the things that will set people apart are those who are willing to deny themselves these experiences, who are willing to say, I want the real thing and not the simulacrum. I'm willing to go out and learn how to do something physically for if for nothing else, because it makes me a more interesting, well-rounded, better person, as opposed to simply falling into kind of the vat of, uh, of kind of culture that it, it might become. So you always have the ability to kind of take charge and, and make something better of it. And that might make you stand out even more 
in a mm-hmm. world where everyone is is saying i'm not gonna do yeah, that oh we got had another one jump in here guys i appreciate the the uh super chats but you're making me do all these false endings to the show uh spaz <laughs> uh five dollars thank you very much i enjoy a lot of stuff simply because i know that someone not something created it and yeah i think that, again that speaks to what luke said you know that there there is a certain human touch there is a certain uh feel that you get specifically because it was created by someone thoughtfully and intentionally uh and uniquely and that will continue to hold value even if kind of the general everyday you know news or entertainment or whatever might be filled with kind of more of this machine produced uh, stuff there's only so many times we can crescendo to a poignant and touching yes. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate everyone for coming by. Lots of great questions. Very thought-provoking discussion. I knew it was going to be Luke's a great guy to think about this with. So I'm very glad that he came on. Make sure that you're checking all of his stuff out. He's got the Bible uh studies channel. He also has his other channel where he does his interviews. So make sure that you're searching him up there. And we really appreciate you coming by. If you your first time here, please make sure that you subscribe. And if you want to get this as a podcast, remember the show is now in audio format in all your major podcasting platforms. And if you do join over at the podcast, please make sure that you leave a rating and a uh, recommendation that really helps with the algorithms. Speaking of uh, the, the evil AI and everything, that really helps out a lot. All right, guys. Well, once again, thanks for coming by. And as always... I'll talk to you next time.